The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? Welcome back to the Flyover State Sports Show. I am your very loud host, the hostess with the mostest, and I am back to join Gavin with our skeleton crew as Beans is still out on IR. Welcome to the show. I'm back. Gavin. Do you you think that Beans is just going to like keep having, you know, things going on forever and he's just going to let us do all the legwork while he just like goes on his merry way, gets married, retires, you know, just completely cashes out on the brand that he's built. I I hope that he doesn't cash out on the brand that he's built because there's more brand to be had. That's But true. maybe and I do just, then. Maybe maybe I want half the brand instead of a third of the brand. As long as I don't have to do all of the behind the scenes work that Beans takes care of for us, then I'm okay Back. with it. <laughs> yeah. Dog, yeah, for real. Uh, dude, so I saw a tweet today, and I don't know how serious it was, but it's one of the YouTubers I watch, and he's, like, really big. Like, he's, like, a Madden YouTuber. He's got, like, a boat boatload of subscribers. He was like, hey, I'm looking to hire, like, two people, one for, like, thumbnail editing, which was, like, undisclosed, like, money. And then one was, like, video editor, which he was like, we'll pay six figures. And I'm like, six figures. Jesus Christ. The grand dude puts out a video like every day. So like you got to edit like you got to edit like 365 videos and they all got to be like a one quality because it's like a big YouTuber. You know what I mean? But still, it's just like Jesus Christ. Beans is just shit for free. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good job, Beans. Uh, hats off to Beans. I have a. Beer yeah, I know. Class, He's so. gone. He's going to be listening to this. And be like, oh, God. You're so sweet. You're so kind. And really in our head, it's like, Beans, you idiot. <laughs> you fooled. You've taken all the menial work. Yep. <laughs> well, Gavin, we have a great show today. We're going to talk about the conference championship games, K-State, KU, some player retired, and a schedule got released. But I got to dunk on Trey Schmidt real quick. So do you you remember that I was in Colorado this last week? Mm-hmm. And that's why I missed the show. Actually, I made it for the show, but it's the last episode. You guys will never hear it for any time in your life. Rip Aaron's ep- episode. <laughs> oh, man. I hated that episode, too, anyways. No offense. Like, yeah, it, it's, it, it was Aaron's fault. It was Aaron's fault. It was right before the K-State-Iowa State game. It wasn't fun. I hated that episode. I was drunk. Aaron made me in Manhattan. But the next day... After that episode gets shot, I drive to uh, with Aaron to Colorado. Now, I don't know if you noticed this riding with Aaron down to Dallas, but driving long distance in a Tesla fucking sucks. Why? Because it took us 12 hours to get to Breckenridge because we had to stop at like four superchargers and I had to wait in his car for two and a half to three hours for it to charge so we could make it. 
your your stopping experiences were much different than my stopping experiences. We stopped twice on the way to Dallas. Yeah, I I know you only stopped twice. Dallas is only like a five hour drive. Breckenridge is like eight to eight to nine. Oh, that's fair. And there's and there's only so many superchargers, so you have to like charge all the way up. So I'm like like here. There's actually a, a city walk in uh, Colby, Kansas. I did not know that. Yeah, dude, that was it, it. Was fun. We got to eat at City Walk, but like I went to City Walk, sat down, ate like a whole thing of like orange. I didn't eat a whole thing. I ate a half thing of orange chicken because like I was sick when I was eating it. But we sat down, ate lunch, and watched an episode of South Park before like our car was like fully charged. Bullshit. But that's not the story I'm trying to tell right now. Story I'm trying to tell right now is we get so I'm in a car and or like waiting for the car to charge for 12 hours, right? We leave at six, we get to Colorado at like six. So it's really more like 13 because we had to go run some errands. I sit down, we're like ready to go, but everyone goes and does some shopping real quick. So like an hour ago, it's like seven o'clock mountain time, right? And I haven't eaten fucking anything since a burrito at Qdoba in Colby, Kansas. So I'm hungry. I'm hangry. And Trey is entrusted with finding a place to eat. Trey looks up an Italian restaurant. Perfect. Great. Chicken parm. Great. We go. Italian restaurant's closed. And everyone's like, let's just get pizza. Pizza's easy. And... So Quinn, who is on this trip, Quinn is a vegetarian. So pizza is a great option because cheese pizza exists. Awesome. We go, Trey punches in pizza. He takes us to this pizza place. And I sit down. It's pretty quaint, super like liberal Colorado bullshit. But I'm like, whatever. Fine. I'm hungry. We order garlic knots. And... I start looking at the menu while they're like bringing garlic knots to us. And I'm like, oh, haha, they got like fake chicken because, you know, liberal. I was like, oh, haha, they got like fake pepperoni because, you know, liberal. And I keep looking and I'm like, all of this is like fake meat. And I come to find out it's a vegan pizza shop, not an ounce of anything worth eating in sight. Other than the garlic knots, because they were delicious. So I lean over to Quinn and I'm like, Quinn, what is the least repulsive, like fake meat on this menu? So I get a bread, I get a chicken parmesan pizza, which is pretty much just bread, fake breaded chicken and like everything else. And it was all right, but I could only eat half the pizza. It was like a 12 inch pizza. I could only eat half of it because like it started to gunk up. Because, you know, vegan. Trey had a pepperoni pizza. He could only eat a slice and a half. Oh, my God. That's how gross it was. And then I ate it the next morning after uh, microwaving it. And honestly, it was better after the microwave, to be honest. The moral of the story. Huh? That's how you tell real quality. It's better after the microwave. Moral of the story. If you're going to go to Colorado, beware vegan pizza places because they're not good. I would never even check. I would I would just be pissed when I took the first bite. 
Dude, I like, we went down the stairs and I'm not even kidding you. Like two stores. So like it's three, it was like a three story area. Like you go up these stairs and here's like a terrace. Here's a terrace. And here's the ground. Literally second terrace, two shops over different pizza place, like legitimate pizza place. I'm just like, Trey, you ruined it. <laughs> but he got his comeuppance because he got altitude sickness and couldn't ski the whole rest of the trip. Good God. <laughs> Jesus. Dunk. Uh, shout out to everyone who went on that trip. So that was a good time. Now How was your time without me, Gavin. How was the last podcast? Oh, you should listen to it. It's uh No, I you know what? I should listen to it because I always say I don't listen to our shit because I'm in it, but I'm not in that one. I cover so I said nothing that was false. I spoke straight truth that I agreed with the entire time. Unlike Beans, who would have came on there and said a bunch of stuff, but not actually meant it, and then drafted Christian Watson anyways. It's just no, it was um it's hard, but you once you find your groove, you just like start talking and bullshitting, you just speak your mind. Uh I don't know. It just kind of rattles off the tongue. It was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. it I, I it, think now it's been a weird, uh, just personal last week for myself. So it was a good escape, if nothing less. That's good. I, ho- I hope you're doing good. So, yeah, me, me and Sid still doing. Actually, we have our uh, update on the house. The uh, drywall guy came today. He is muddy between the drywall. He'll come back, finish it up tomorrow, paint, lay floor. And I'm practically uh, tripled the value of my house. Not really. So. Oh boy. Yeah. I got a I got a Snapchat from one Kyle Ditto. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna test to see if Kyle actually listens to these. So I'm gonna, you know, okay, Kyle. So I'm gonna send you the Snapchat. Ah, oh, she sent me a fucking ah uh, boo. She sent me a uh like memory thing, not an actual snap. Oh. I was gonna like I was gonna like uh, have her text me like licorice donkey or something like that. Would have given her a free shirt, but I don't know, Kyle. If you're uh, if you're listening, text me licorice donkey, and then we'll get you a free shirt. Maybe I don't know. Probably not. I don't have that kind of power. <laughs> That's a beans question. I know but- it really is. You know what's really funny is I told you we were gonna start with the AFC title games. Yep, And then I remembered that I said the bill should fire Sean McDermott for Sean Payton mm-hmm. in, the last, in the last episode. So I, A, when I get that cemented in stone and writing on this episode for one, for two, acknowledge that we don't need to argue, but that we had an epic battle of wits in the last episode. And three, what's Sean Payton going to do in Denver? Because we kind of need to bring it up. There, I almost uh, forgot about it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the weird part about this, obviously, is the draft pick compensation. Like, not only are yeah. you paying the head coach, but you're literally trading for the opportunity to pay a head coach. We've seen this, like, a lot over the past couple of years where a uh, skill position player getting traded for and the, for the opportunity to pay him, essentially. So with the coach, is a little different. Um you hope for Denver's sake because they're they they they're going all in. It's like, we've got Russ. We've got mm. everything that we need here. We need somebody to figure it out. We thought, well, 
I don't even want to say they thought it was Hackett. I think they thought Hackett could get Aaron Rodgers there, but he couldn't. I would agree with that. And they got stuck with Hackett. Um, Hackett's gone now. Um, is Sean Payton an upgrade? Obviously, Sean Payton's probably still a top five head coach in the NFL based on everything that we know about him. Um, I think that, to, to me, because there's nothing uber surprising about them getting Sean Payton. Like, it all makes sense. You can see what they're trying to do. I think Sean Payton's good. But how are we supposed to react? Keep in mind, this is coming from one of the largest Russell Wilson detractors of the last five years. Um, how are we supposed to react when nothing changes? We get just this uh, science experiment ran with one terrible coach and then a top five coach in the NFL. And like, if Russell Wilson just goes back to like business as usual, Russell, Russell Wilson, like, should the Chiefs just cut Mahomes and just roll with Chad Henney then? Because quarterbacks don't matter. Like, what what does this actually mean? That's no, that's- I I I think there's a talent level thing. I mean, I think I think you have to have some level of like ability. I mean, I mean, even you look. I think one of the worst thing that's ever happened to like for football fans in general was Chad Hetty like holding on to a lead against the Browns because he held on to that lead. He didn't, he didn't win that game. Yes. Ch- Chad Hetty made two plays at the end of the game, one with his legs. And then if, which he would have made easier if he like wasn't a turtle and then one throw, which was wide open to Tyree kill to like win that game. But I mean the, the game against the Browns, Chad Hetty tried to lose that game. Chad Hetty like leading that drive against Jacksonville, literally like, toxified everyone's brains and thought that, oh, like the quarterback position like doesn't matter and you can just put kind of anyone there when that's just not the case. No, I, I, that's, I mean this mostly joking, but like from a, like Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes is the perfect comparison I like to use in my head of where like Alex Smith was great, put up great numbers, even MVP type numbers, you could say in Andy Reid's system. But when you get to the playoffs and you need that extra gear, he just didn't really have it. It's the same thing that uh, San Fran has tried to do, upgrading from what they've had to Trey Lance. And I, obviously yeah. we'll get into that, what happened with Brock Purdy in the playoff game. But um, that like extra ability that the quarterback gets you is... Um, we're still talking about like a very, very good to high-level NFL starter in Alex Smith before his injury. So, like, I don't know. We're... we're when you cut off the like talent level that a head coach not can't mess with it, but improves on a head coach at like quarterback 12 in the NFL saying that like everyone below that doesn't matter. That's still, I think kind of like meaningful in my eyes. And I almost believe that to an extent, like Russell Wilson was a perceived top five quarterback until he went to a coaching situation. That was just a joke. Yeah. And now he's not only like not a top five quarterback, but we're talking about this dude being the head of one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Like I just that that's the way that I took the Sean Payton thing. I'm interested to see that reality. We probably see Russell Wilson somewhere in the center. What did you think about it? Well, I think just to piggyback off of your Alex Smith thing, I think Alex Smith is the perfect case study. He went from dysfunctional organization with multiple coaches and bad coaches to Jim Harbaugh and then immediately looked better. And then he went to Andy Reed and he looked a little bit better. I mean, Harbaugh to Andy Reed on a coaching scale isn't like the most draft. It's not the most drastic shift, but he looked better under Andy. And I mean, 
I think Alex Smith is kind of the mold of a lot of guys. Like Dak Prescott's my favorite dude, where it's like, if you take Dak Prescott and you throw him into like the fucking bears, he's going to stink. And if you throw him in with Andy Reid, he's going to be good. Yep. So I think there's a lot of guys who have the talent, but they need like that marriage. Yeah. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks that really can overcome the marriage. I think Aaron Rodgers is kind of like Aaron Rodgers, one of those dudes. We won't really know if Pat's one of those dudes and like Pat will still be good, but like, it's hard to really say because we've only seen Pat with Andy Reid. Yeah. And I, I joke about that with Patrick Mahomes specifically because Mahomes is, I don't think it's crazy. I don't want like people to take this the wrong way. Patrick Mahomes going to the like system, the place that he did to figure out how to play the quarterback position, because we had a lot of um, information. We had a lot of data points as him as a prospect that stated he didn't understand how to play it when he was at Texas Tech. He got to well, sit he for said it himself. He didn't know how to read a defense to like yes, his third, fourth year. Like um, a lot of what we joke about here with, you know, oh, this receiver's folding chair open or, uh, Andy Reid's just going to get this, uh, get players open, blah, blah, blah. Mahomes is doing this stuff when he admit is admitting to not being able to read a defense. If that's not on the coach, I don't know what the fuck it's on. Um, but obviously now you see Mahomes at, able to add the extra little bit and credit to, but credit to Andy Reid too, because as Mahomes is able to add that little bit, we continue to add a little bit to our offense. It's not yep. like you just depend on one or the other. It's the perfect marriage. It's the perfect symbiosis that creates this retarded offense that works. Yep. And I, again, this isn't me saying like, oh, well, if Mahomes like doesn't have Reed, he's not any good. It, it, the difference between Andy Reed and just a normal coach literally could be like, oh, this guy's like a Hall of Famer after five years starting to like, oh, this guy's like Philip Rivers, who's really good. Yeah. So I think in terms of Sean Payton, though, I mean, I was in the last episode, I said the Bills should make a move to get a Super Bowl winning head coach and go get Sean Payton, or they should at least consider it. So I think that kind of says where I'm in on it. Um, I'm a big fan. I think Sean Payton has done more with less, honestly. I mean, Yes, Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Russell Wilson is like also a Hall of Fame quarterback, but not like that level of Hall of Fame, if that makes sense. Yep. But that like Eli Gary, group. yeah, I mean, he, he he's above Eli Manning. He, Eli, like I, I've watched Russell Wilson and thought, oh, this guy is like good. And then I've watched Eli Manning and thought like, oh, wow, this guy's like got accolades. I don't know how he, like he, yeah, like Russell Wilson, I look at his career and look at how good he was, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, like Hall of Fame. And I look at Eli Manning, and I'm like, I, I guess Hall of Fame, like, I guess. I, I don't even think Eli, Eli Manning wasn't even better than Philip Rivers. He just has two rings, but that's yeah. beside the point. Yep. But I, I think Sean Payton is honestly working with damn near as much talent as he ever did in New Orleans, because I think the best if thing not he ever more. Yeah, I mean, from an offensive standpoint, I mean, obviously, like I said, I mean, it's not like prime Drew Brees or anything, but like, I don't know, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Greg Dulwich and Tim Patrick and um, KJ Hamler. Well, KJ Hamler for like a couple games will be healthy. 
Yeah. And uh, Javonta Williams is like fairly comparable to, I mean, he was working with like Jimmy Graham and Marquise Colston and whoever the hell else was like, and like prime Mark Ingram. I mean, like, I, I think the thing that people don't understand, oh, and, and Darren Sproles too, in the, in the big heyday, I actually read somewhere that Boston Scott is like a good, like, guy to end up in Denver, but I don't know if they'll just use like, they, they might just end up using a guy who you liked in fantasy, Chase Edmonds. They might just use oh. Chase Edmonds and like that Darren Sproles role pass catching wise. But I, I read somewhere that Boston Scott was like, like Sean Payton was interested in him, which makes sense. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Someone said Kendall Hinton's going to turn to chase him Hill, which I think would be really funny. But, uh, no, I think I think from a talent standpoint, like I can't even remember any of the receivers on the on those New Orleans teams. That doesn't mean that like they were bad or anything, but like I remember if if you actually like sit down and think like, okay, who are the wide receivers that Drew Brees was like throwing to for like the entirety of Drew Brees' like career? It's like, all right, they had Marquise Colston, they had Michael Thomas, and they had Jimmy Graham, and that's it. Like like I remember from the Seahawks, I remember like Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse, and like Donald Driver for the Packers, and uh, Greg Jennings from the Packers. Like I remember like the and Jordy Nelson. Like I remember all these other guys for other teams. I don't really remember anyone other than Marquise Colston. That <laughs> no, and you're teams. you're spot on with that. And like I I know I know Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has done a really good job of becoming a really divisive player over the last couple of years, especially. But yeah, even, Michael Thomas was elite before that high ankle sprain. Even the at the point where he was elite, and I'm going to make a really weird comp here that everyone's going to understand and hate to hear, it felt more of like that Cooper Cup type elite than like the AJ Brown mm-hmm. or yeah, you know what I'm trying to say there. Where like he's really good yeah, at, it, it's really good. It's at not like the Megatron. Like do- yeah. it's not dominance, not physical yeah. dominance. It's like route running dominance, route um, running and agility and cut dominance. And I, I don't even really, I, I mean it from that perspective, but in the way of like, I think AJ Brown could do what AJ Brown does. Plus everything Cooper cup does. He could just do everything. I don't think Cooper cup could do what AJ Brown does. And anybody, would any, other, any other receiver you want to throw into that AJ, AJ Brown, the Devonte Adams, the et cetera, Jamar chase. Yeah. That, I, mean, I mean, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas was a lot like Marvin Harrison in the sense that they were both route running savants and they were just always open. Yeah. But the point, the point of, um, that Sean Payton, would you be a surprise if the chiefs were the chiefs and the Broncos were like playing in the playoffs next year and we weren't sure who was going to win? Um, not really. I wouldn't. I mean, I don't, I I don't think, I think the biggest difference is that they're not going to have Bradley Chubb, which I think hurts, and they're not going to really be able to replace him. Um, but, I mean, the defense for a, a large portion of, like, the season was pretty good. Yeah. And, I mean, I think Denver has a lot of nice players on defense. I, I think, because if you go back and look at scores, like, you're averaging, like, 21 points a game away from, like, winning nine games. You know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of games where Denver was losing by, like, a score or two, but, like, they only scored six to ten points. Yeah, so, I, I, I I could pull up the stat from um, – I, I saw it from Eden Hart. It's on Twitter. Um, he's PFF's fantasy football analyst. 
And it was legitimately like if the Broncos had scored 19 points a game, they would have not only like made like won, you know, nine games or whatever, but like would have made the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like we're I that's the thing, and I, I know I say this a lot, and it, it's because I don't think a lot of people truly grasp how close things are in the NFL. But like there is so little margin for error in the NFL. Like you win that Seahawks. Like if you win that Seahawks game, like the season might be completely fucking different, and Nathaniel Hackett might be the head coach still. You know what I mean? But like the moment that like things kind of go a little bit sideways, and people start turning on Russ, and like all that stuff, that's when she starts hitting the fan. And now you have Sean Payton as your head coach. So I, I do want to have the conversation between us because it's going to be talked about the whole off season from everybody. Um, the, there's a narrative in the NFL that Russ at any point in his career has actually been allowed to cook and been good when he did it. Um, and I don't understand that if you're Sean Payton, like, I feel like the best thing for Russ, Russell Wilson, cause it's when we've seen him be at his best is kind of this offense moving closer towards that run balanced with Russell Wilson, making plays off play action. You limit the amount of times he's off script, like all that. This isn't just a, oh my God, like I rolling in here with a Hall of Fame coach in Sean Payton and I can just uncork the passing offense like I did with Drew Brees. I I think that having Russell Wilson, I, I think Drew Brees and Russell Wilson are a lot closer like in terms of play style than people like want to admit, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, they're, they're similar in ways. I mean, like, not like it's, it's a weird comp, but it's like, it, it, it's kind of my comp with Joe Burrow, where I talk about how Joe Burrow is like Tom Brady, but he can like move. Yeah. That's how I feel about Russell Wilson in terms of Drew Brees is he's like Drew Brees, but he can move. They're like the same size. They both have really pretty deep balls. Russ is like not as accurate as Drew Brees, at least not at this point. But I think you go back and you look at, I mean, Russell Wilson made himself what would have been a top five draft pick if we like weren't heightest back in 2012. Russell Wilson would have been a top 10 draft pick minimum in 2012 if he would have been six foot one. Yeah, but like he was short, so they took him in the third round because we're dumb. But he was running a pro style offense with Brett Bielema at Wisconsin, and he was really successful there. And they, uh, I believe that they won the Big Ten that year. I'm pretty sure they did. I don't really remember. But I mean, Russell Wilson has like always kind of been in that kind of pro style offense, and that's always been where they've made their bread and butter. So mm-hmm. I think. I think returning him to a West Coast like pro offense is like where he needs to be. It doesn't have to be like completely under center and shit because we're past that. But like same principles, right? Like, yeah, he needs to have probably about two to three carries a game because, you know, he can do that. But you don't need to overdo it. He's 30, whatever. But like he has mobility. So like roll him out because your offensive line sucks. You know, all that good yeah. stuff. So you use his mobility, but with a purpose. It's like, so <clears throat> anyone who played middle school basketball with Shane Neal, 
will appreciate this comment. But whenever we would do like drills for like between the legs or like behind the back for like a dribbling drill, it was always, you know, do it with a purpose of going forward. Like not, you don't like if you're doing a, like between the legs or behind the back dribble, you don't like dribble up to someone and then do a fucking between the legs and then try and drive by them. You use it in combination to help drive by them. So that's what you need to use as his athleticism, Russell Wilson's athleticism for is to like use it. Yes. <laughs> like yep. Purposefully. Not just don't have Russell Wilson just roll out just to fucking roll out. Roll him out in a comfortable way with good play design and good blocking schemes to that way get an easy completion. It's pretty much the play that Andy Reid runs whenever he needs a first down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking hate- of Andy Reid needing a first down, we ran that play and got a touchdown against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game as the Chiefs defeated them in somewhat controversial fashion, 23-20, to 20, Kansas City over the Bengals. I don't I- even- I was riding in a car for that whole game. I I don't know where to start with this game. Um, <laughs> I so I from <laughs> from a high level. I I came on this podcast last week, Sam. If you re-listen to it or listen to it, you'll uh, hear. Um, I was listening to it actually after the game, um, and was cracking myself up. On paper, now granted, I want to take a further step back. Mahomes looked fine. I understand, yes. After he, like, made a off-balance throw, and I'm sure on the radio it sounded infinitely worse than what it really was, he made an off-balance throw, and it, like, uh, you could tell you could tell everything was bothering him during the game. But during the play, when the adrenaline is flowing and when Mahomes is needing to move around, Mahomes was fine. He's uh, definitely not 100%, but he's 95 He's 90%. He's perfectly, he's enough of Mahomes that like, I'm really not going to like come out here and say, oh my God, he's doing this on one leg. I understand like that's really narrative-y and it's a really, it's a really easy thing to like dive into. After the emotions are gone, we need to understand that Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow, we really got the majority of that matchup we were hoping for if both of them were healthy anyways. Now, with that being said, Mahomes wasn't 100% healthy, but on top of that, you had the build-up to this game with Burrowhead Stadium, with both teams talking infinite amounts of trash through them just the entire week. We see this rivalry coming, and independent of the injury, we would struggle to beat the Bengals. We didn't beat them last year with a better roster for ourselves. And I I think on paper, the Bengals do have a better team. Um, It didn't matter. That none of that mattered. Nothing on paper. Nothing. I just the uh, credit that I uh, we talked about this in our group chat. The credit and um, how incredible it is to watch a Hall of Fame coach coaching a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing mm-hmm. to a Hall of Fame tight end at the same time is just it's surreal. It, it is. It really like when I have joked this entire season. Make it make sense. This why is this working? Blah 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 it really feels like you don't have to look any further than like the answers right in front of you. When you have mm-hmm. those three things or like something like that, that just doesn't happen working in tandem together as a perfect marriage of football. It just, yeah. it makes football seem, they make football seem so easy. I, I sent that text. It, to it's so disgusting. Many- it really is disgusting. 
I sent that text to so many people, just that football operates differently in Kansas City. And you truly have to watch the Chiefs to understand that because you're going to mm-hmm. watch the Chiefs forever and not understand it. But then that's that's almost the beauty of it is you don't understand it because nobody does. Only yeah. Andy Reid, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, this assortment of Chiefs players do. That that was my big takeaway. That was what I thought from the game. I can't put into words how incredible that victory is for Mahomes' legacy, for just the Chiefs' legacy generally for my lifetime. What did you think, Sam? Yeah, no. So um, definitely want to reiterate, like, it's – it's ve- like when you really sit down and think about it and I get that Mahomes' career is still fairly young and a lot of people don't want to say, Oh, well, he's like a hall of famer, but like Mahomes, Mahomes is about to win his second MVP and is going to have three AFC titles and like one Super Bowl, one Super Bowl victory, like at the end of the day, like, like he, he's a hall of Famer. Ma- Mahomes, Mahomes would really have to like, I, I don't even know what he would have to do. He would have to like get, He'd have to like do a Deshaun Watson and then come back and like really tarnish his legacy. But Mahomes is basically just like, oh, show up and play for five years and then you're in the Hall of Fame yes. and like don't do anything stupid. So, I mean, like it, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like he just needs to put up the counting stats at this point. But like Andy Reid is going to be in the Hall of Fame five years after he retires and Travis Kelsey is too. And like growing up, it's like super weird to like see a guy that your team drafted. Yeah. Like yes. become a hall of famer. It's like super weird because like there's not getting in the NFL hall of fame is like really hard. Yes. Like extremely hard. There's not a lot of dudes in the hall of fame and it's just kind of like you have a guy in Travis Kelsey who like, will probably be first ballot. Like, he will probably get in on the first ballot. He should. And, like, really the only person we've ever kind of seen like that is Tony Gonzalez. But, like, I didn't get to watch a lot of Tony Gonzalez because I was a kid. And, like, I didn't really appreciate it because I was a kid. And then, like, not to be an asshole to Tony Gonzalez, but Tony Gonzalez, like, doesn't really, like – flaunt the fact that he like played for the chiefs because the chiefs kind of stunk when he played for the chiefs and so but like travis is like full bore kansas city yes and has been there his entire career yeah and it's kind of like just one of those things where it's like that's our hall of famer yes and like this is our like hall of fame quarterback and like andy definitely deserves like Andy definitely deserves to be segmented into like Packers OC and like Eagles head coach and Chiefs head coach. Like he, like I don't, I don't want to like completely claim like Andy Reid is like, oh, well, that's like our Hall of Fame coach. But I mean, like at the same time, he won a Super Bowl in Kansas City and like it's a little bit different with that. But it's very surreal to see that kind of stuff. Um, as for the game, I definitely think there's definitely some controversy with the game. I don't necessarily feel bad about it because um, I don't. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think it would be 
disingenuous for me to say, oh, I feel bad that we're going to the Super Bowl because we got a couple of things that probably shouldn't have happened that did happen go our way. Um, really, it's mostly just about like, really the things that bother me and leave a little bit of sour taste in my mouth are the punt return, like those kind of like iffy block in the back calls. And then I know a lot of people kind of say, you know, holding on the Mahomes run, but my kind of that is, you know, Mahomes is on a fucking high ankle spraying out Ranger defensive tackle. The hit out of bounds was a hit out of bounds. Like I feel awful for Osai that that happened, but like, I don't feel bad that it get, got called. Yeah. And let <laughs> as um, I, I want to go back to the uh, conversation we were having earlier, but while, while we're on the controversy, let's just, I just got to call a spade a spade here. Yes, there was controversial calls made in that game. But the call that made everyone actually, like, care. Because, like, these these things always happen unless it, like, directly determines the course of the game. There was the Mm -hmm. block, the hit out of bounds does. But, like, people were, NFL rigged was trending on Twitter for hours before that even occurred. Um. The no, because that, of the because of the Eagles game, because like every time that a team like has a bunch of flags thrown on it's NFL yeah, rigged. So the the Eagle, we'll get into that with the Eagles game. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. As I mean, far that game, as the Kansas City game, the NFL rig stuff starts going because for a while it appears, and they the refs handled this terribly in the game. They were put in a terrible yes, spot. They did. I was um, listening to you on the radio and had no fucking idea what was happening. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking so about. The, the NFL got bailed out of this by. You could clear. They showed a replay on TV, and you could clearly see the ref running, waving his arms, and like mm-hmm. not being able to make the stoppage of play in time. And then, like at that point, like getting out of the way. Um, so from that, but I want to point that out because that's a very, very, very important thing to throw in there. Because I was sitting in here for a while in my living room, like, uh, like what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. And then, and then you realize that you're like, okay, that makes sense. It feels really bad. But it was like 95% of America just didn't give a shit. Like, it felt really bad in the time, so that's all I'm going to remember. I'm not going to, like, credit the fact that it really was too loud in there. You could see the referee running in there. Like, clearly there's an explanation. And then on top of that, yes, it's holding on Eli Apple. It clearly was. I understand was there other times I was probably missed when there was equal holding? Yes, but by definition, that is still if you're gonna argue like about holding being called, that's fine, but you should probably start with a play that wasn't holding, like if that's your argument. Um Yeah. It it is it's terrible timing. If I'm the refs on I'm that's not close enough and blatant enough for me to throw it in that situation. Um, that sounds dumb, but like that just those two things happening together, it didn't matter what happened the rest of the game. Like People had decided that this game was rigged at that point. Obviously, the rest of the game shenanigans occur. When you're, like, even going into the block in the back stuff, like, there's a lot of things I saw, like, highlighted on that play. A, when when you're doing that on last play, that's just a a terrible place to start, too, because there's holding on every play. Um, But a lot of the times, too, like, people just don't fully grasp the, like, laws of the game to where... If you are like in contact with a player and pushing him and he's spinning in circles, at some point you're going to be blocking him in the back. But it's not actually a block in the back because you've maintained contact the entire fucking time. So there's just 
there's multiple levels to like the um, controversy here. Was were the Chiefs helped? Yes. Did the Chiefs also lose their like top uh, secondary player? All of their receivers have their quarterback coming in. Like the Bengals, the the line of excuses for both teams, I feel like is the same. They just came in really different forms. Yeah, I mean, he here's what it boils down to for me. One, I'm not sorry because like. Joe Burrow had two opportunities to go get the go-ahead points on that. And, like, I love Joe Burrow. I genuinely do feel like he's the Brady replacement, if that makes sense. It, it It's feeling more like he might be a tall Drew Brees replacement with how things kind of go at the end of games. But I, I still think Joe Burrow is the second-best quarterback in the NFL. Like, I love him to death. And, like, he, he made clutch plays out there. But like he just couldn't, he couldn't get the final clutch play to go right. Like he gets that intentional grounding call, which I never watched a replay on that. I have no idea if that call was bullshit or not. But it didn't matter because Joe Burrow just fucking found Hayden Hurst the very next play and converted the first down. Right. Yeah. So like, I mean, but like, I didn't love that call, by the way. For just for your, information. I'm glad he got the first. Then yeah. we'll call that. We'll so we'll talk that then. But like, I mean, Joe, Joe just didn't get it done, and like, Pat really didn't get it done either. But Kansas City's special teams got done. I mean, as a K State fan, like special teams is part of the game, and like that's kind of a big deal. Special teams is a big deal. So, but the other thing is, and the other reason I don't feel sorry is because I know thirty-one other fan bases wouldn't feel sorry for me if that happened for their team. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't feel I, I don't feel bad about winning the game when the majority of the things that people think they've been wronged on aren't like that bad. Like yeah. I'm not I don't want to hear anything about the whole ref shenanigan stuff because we have video of that. Like you said, I'll hear arguments for like, oh, there's holding on this play and blah blah blah. But like again, we we can play the what if game for forever. I think at the end of the day, like Mahomes played well enough to win the game. The Bengals also played well enough to win the game. It just so happened Did that. They? I think so. I'm not. I do think the Chiefs played better. I think the Bengals played well enough to put themselves in the position to win the game. The second pick for Joe Burrow, like I don't even think it was that big of a deal because it was basically a punt. Yes, yeah, but here's like the per- the first pick was bad, but the thing is, is the first we didn't get any points off the first pick. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I I agree. I guess I kind of want to. Um, I understand we have like two similar but differing viewpoints of Joe Burrow because I put a lot more faith in or a lot more a credit to that. Um, like this dude's walking in here with Jamar Chase, T Higgins. Yeah, no, I, understand I, he I get that. Boys. I I hear um, what you're saying, but like, I I think that gets. Counteract by the offensive line being bad, though. It it does, um, but like you know that that you know that that's the case coming into the game. I no, like I understand, and like I'm I'm not gonna sit here and like pretend that Joe Burrow like was a stone cold killer like last game. Like I don't want to do that. Like that's not true. Like Joe Burrow played a very average game, and like. What what's the stats? Like Joe Burrow's played like X amount of game and zero fourth quarter touchdowns or whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. Like yep. I mean, honestly, like Joe Burrow like hasn't been clutch in the fourth quarter 
in the playoffs. And like, what is it? He has like 10 touchdown. He doesn't have a lot of touchdown passes in playoff games either. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Joe Burrow, maybe I am crowning Joe Burrow too early. Like maybe that is the case. And I, I, I almost wanted to use that as a like comparison to Mahomes. Like I truly Joe Burrow can be whatever Joe Burrow is, but we're looking at Mahomes in a year when he loses Tyreek Hill and it's supposed to be a down year for the Chiefs and everything. Like we've seen what everything we're saying about Joe Burrow, you could say similar things, if not the exact same thing to other quarterbacks around the NFL. What I again, this combination of the three players we mentioned before, like I'm I'm not sure what it would take as long as Travis Kelsey, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid are together for them to not be able to put together a functional offense. Yeah, it's no, impossible. Again, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Zach Taylor, and I think that's another thing that we differ on. I think I think I think a lot of different things lead us to the same conclusion about Joe Burrow in the fact that I think both of us probably have him top three. Would you have him top three? Yeah, like top five, somewhere in there. Yeah. So I mean, I have him at two. You probably have him like you probably have him behind like Josh Allen. I would bet. If I off cuff, uh, just go. It's probably Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, and then it's like a tier of the. It's it's a tier of quarterbacks after that with a large tier break, and it's yeah. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, um, Jesus, I off cuff. I can't. It, even it's it's tough point. though. Like it, it's, right, but it's that but that hard gap. To- that gap between three and two to me is large. And from two to one, there's another gap. That That's the difference between you and me is like, I've always thought Pat is the best just because like, I don't think there's whenever I make my QB tier list or whatever, like I, I put Pat at like three, but that's because like Aaron Rodgers won the MVP and Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Like that, that really wasn't like a disrespect thing to Pat. That was more of a like, all right, Aaron Rodgers back, back MVP. Like I can't, like he's got to be one, and Tom Brady's the goat, so I'm gonna put him at two. Like it doesn't make any actual real life sense, but it's just like I'm gonna do this. You know what I mean? And I don't really even mean it if I'm being honest. But like, I think Pat has very obviously shown that he is like consensus one. Like if you try to argue it, like I don't know what to fucking tell you. Yes. Yep. At this point, but I feel like Josh Allen is just too Brett Farvey if that makes sense. And I feel like, I guess I would rather rock with a quarterback like Joe Burrow than a quarterback I, like Josh Allen. I, I can agree with that hundred percent. And I, th- I, th- I think it's just a preference thing, but like, I agree. I mean, there's a, for me, I think Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are very clearly like two and three. And you can argue like however you want in your order on that. I personally have Joe Burrow number two. At this point in time, and it will probably change as soon as Josh Allen heals his elbow, to be honest. Yeah. And but like Mahomes is very obviously one. Yeah, we, we can move on to the next game after this. Yeah. But I, I want to use that to like look at the future. I know this uh we've seen this Bengals Chiefs rivalry now for a couple of years. Um, but <laughs> this was something I talked about last week. Like, regardless of what happens in this game, um, right. I shouldn't say regardless. This game is massive because we haven't really seen Joe Burrow and the Bengals in the position that the Chiefs are right now. 
the Chiefs are in this like new uncharted territory where the cap hit of Mahomes contract and like a couple other contracts, mo- pretty much just the Mahomes contract is like fully hitting. That's why yep. we had to get rid of Tyreek Hill. Like this stuff's this stuff happens and you got to get rid of good players and it sucks, but it's the way the NFL is set up. It's the reason why the gap is so small. We haven't really seen that for the Bengals. And so that's why I felt like for the Bengals before, you know, you sign Joe Burrow to extension over this off season and you start stacking these cap hits, assuming you also signed Jamar chase. Well, then it's like, all right. So we had all these che- these teams. I know me and you talked about the chiefs losing to the uh, bucks in the super bowl. How big of an opportunity that is losing to the Bengals last year, how big of an opportunity we missed. How many opportunities is Joe Burrow going to miss here before we look up and he hasn't won a Super Bowl in a decade? And yeah, no, I, I, I do think that's a very important thing to talk about. And that actually kind of leads me into like this funny tweet that I saw. But like the reason why like Gavin, Beans, and I, whenever we're talking about like getting to a Super Bowl is like huge is because it's hard as fuck to win a Super Bowl. Like, not every team in the NFL has done it, and there's been 56 of them. And there's only been, like, I think, I can't remember if it's, Patrick Mahomes either become become the 12th person to do so, or there's only been 12 people to do so, to win multiple Super Bowls, like, as a quarterback. Like, it doesn't happen. It's hard as fuck to do. Like Drew Brees didn't do it. Dan Marino didn't win fucking any. Steve Young's only got one. Like Len Dawson only got one. And Len, like Joe Namath only got one. Like, yeah, there's a myriad of like, there's a list of quarterbacks who've never got one or only have one. And whenever you have an opportunity to go win a Super Bowl, you have to fucking take it because that, because the NFL. If you look at the Chiefs roster from five years ago, it's completely different. So think about how different it's going to be in five years from now. So, I mean, it's important. And that was kind of one of the funny things about this tweet I saw. And it had Justin Fields in it. I don't really want to go into Justin Fields about this because he's in the NFC. He was the only NFC guy in it. But it was like, who's next to make the Super Bowl? And it was like Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. I think Josh Allen was on it too. I can't remember if it was Josh Allen or a different young AFC quarterback. And I don't remember who that would have been. I don't know who that would have been. It might've been like Lamar or something, but it's like, God, maybe none of them. Like, yeah. like, it, like not everyone's guaranteed to go to a Super Bowl. Like Philip Rivers never fucking made it. <laughs> yeah. And you got to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Philip Rivers is like, for a long time, like a top five quarterback in the NFL or like top 10 at the very least. And he's not fucking made it. Yes. Like compile your top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, like right now. And like, like let's look at who's fucking made it. Like, I mean, if you think like Mahomes has and Burrow has like Josh Allen, hasn't Russell Wilson has. But like Herbert hasn't, Trevor Lawrence hasn't. Like, there's a lot of guys. Dak who, hasn't. Dak hasn't. Like, yeah, Jalen no, you walk down the list. Is, it's pretty. It's empty. Yeah, it's like fifty percent. Like, Kirk Cousins probably a top ten quarterback right now. Like, with the retirement and regression and everything, and he never even close. He never even made to a conference title game. I don't think. Yeah, 
people throw Lamar in there and Lamar can't win in the playoffs, let alone the Yeah, Lamar uh, Lamar's not there. Like I mean it's like it's hard as fuck. And like got some guys just will never fucking make it. And I get a lot of why the reason I mean you gotta think like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger pretty much sucked up dry every single opportunity to go to the Super Bowl for two decades, except for Joe Flacco and like yeah. Patrick Mahomes. It's like just those two dudes. It's like Joe Flacco, Pat Mahomes, and like Joe Burrow are like the only other AFC quarterbacks in the last like 20 years other than those other three. To go, yes, right. And yeah, it took like Tom Brady leaving. Like honestly, like does Joe Burrow make it if Tom Brady stays in New England? Probably not. Like, no. let's be honest. But who knows? But yeah. yes, so it's hard as fuck to make a Super Bowl, as Kyle Shanahan is continuing to find out after his second NFC championship game loss in a row. This one less so his fault because, well, Brock Purdy tore his UCL and is gonna need Tommy John, and Josh Johnson got a concussion. So the Eagles beat the piss out of the Niners 38 to 7. And somehow, in some way, we still found a way to get NFL rigged trending because of this game. I have a problem with this game. The yes. I figured out we on national television and throughout Twitter, we finally exposed the NFL for them just like pumping up this. It's like the NFL. NFL people and I throw a lot of people and I want everyone that I'm that like you think of would be stereotyped in that group, throw them all in there because they're all guilty of this. NFL people want you to believe that it is, it is harder to play and operate the NFL business and game and all of that. It's harder to do that than it is to launch a rocket into space. They really want you to believe that I figured that out. Because Kyle Shanahan, the reason that they lost this game and the reason that uh, everything fell apart, simply because NFL players couldn't remember fifth grade when they ran the Wildcat offense. That is just, no, I don't think anything has ever pissed me off than seeing post-game press conferences where you're explaining away what has happened by saying like, well, we just, we didn't have Wildcat packages. I, I, I know that like, 90% of America could get out there and you explain a wildcat package to them and they could run it. It's that fucking simple. It's the reason I referred to it year, at years at K-State as the field goal formation. It's so goddamn simple. You just know what's going to happen. It's one-dimensional. Yep. God, it pissed me off. But um, otherwise from that, uh, the Eagles are really good and the Niners are really good. But finally, we figured out that not just anyone off the street can operate the Shanahan offense. Actually, it's kind of a very pro Brock Purdy thing to say and think about, but um, that was really all that I took away from the game. That was really all that I thought of. So I didn't really get to watch like any of that game, and I didn't really listen to any of it either because I was trying to conserve my data as I was coming back from Colorado. I just know that Chris, I didn't even get to see the run. I didn't even see Chris McCaffrey's crazy ass run that, but like that tied the game at seven to seven. With like, like, like two to three minutes left. And then the Niners just let themselves get dog walked and turn the ball over. And it was 21 to seven and the game was over. Yes. That's like, uh, the Niners offense just didn't do anything. The Eagles offense also didn't do anything. Now the Niners defense played really, really well. And I want to give them credit, but like you're giving the Eagles short fields 
the Josh Johnson fumble before halftime just was. I mean, that's a backbreaker. The, 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 the Devonta, backbreaker the Devonta backbreaker. Smith like catch that wasn't a catch too. That's yes. also a backbreaker. And I'm not even mad at Kyle Shanahan necessarily. I'm mad at the NFL for like not even like, you know what I mean? Well, the part that's forgotten about that play and what the NFL rigged people don't um, bring up. There's two sides of this. One, when a wide receiver like Devonta Smith stands up and the first thing he's doing after a play is going snap the ball, snap the ball, snap the ball. Maybe that should, should be a key. That should be a key. At the same time, the Eagles did one of the greatest jobs I've ever seen actually getting up there and just snapping the ball and doing something as quickly as possible. Cause like, it doesn't matter if you get the right play in or not at that point, you'll deal with second down much more. You'll deal over. Yeah. You, you have a field goal at that point. Like yes. you, you've turned zero points into three points. Yeah. That's, that's the part of the content. That's the context. That's always just missing from all the NFL rigged arguments is like, the NFL probably was looking at this. They were probably in uh, talks with the officials down on the field. Just in nine seconds, the Eagles were down the field and effectively just handing the ball off to do anything to get the next play ran. I yeah, it, the NFL should have stopped it. Like they should have caught it. Maybe they did catch it, but the Eagles did a outstanding job of realizing the situation and basically doing everything they could to control what was a, a blown call. Yeah, no, and I I guess that's why I don't want to be mad at Kyle Shanahan, per se. Like, I don't feel like it's Kyle Shanahan's job to no. decide in nine seconds to throw the challenge flag when the NFL, like, has something for obviously blown calls, and the NFL should have people looking at every single angle. At all times. Whatever. So, I, again... Is it Kyle Shanahan's fault? Probably like 25%. He probably should have seen how fast they were lining up and thought, oh, fuck. Like, he probably doesn't think that they caught it. Yeah. Um, but, and then it's like, I feel like it's 25% the Eagles being smart and 50% the NFL just not getting it done. Yep. Like, I feel yeah. bad in that respect, but it, it's very hard. Yeah, that, that changes the game. It, it, it does change the game in the sense that Oh, this is like it, it's such an early call in the game that you can't even project what happens because it changes everything about the game because it happens so early. Because the Niners, instead of being down seven, are now tied, and now we're running a completely different set of plays. And Brock Purdy might not get get hit to tear his UCL at UCL. Yeah. Yep. At that point, like it's so early in the game that literally anything changes. Like J Jalen Hurts could, like, get a concussion because he, like, ran a different play because they're down 7 to nothing instead of up 7 to nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Jalen Hurts could have gotten knocked out of the game because of how the, everything is fucking different. And, like, who knows? And that's why I, I hate hypotheticals that early in the game because it literally changes everything. Yep. But yeah. I, I think it sucks for San Francisco. I think at this point, though, from Kyle Shanahan – like, for God's sakes, install, like, some Wildcat packages because your QB room is cursed. Yeah. No, that's the part. It's really the part that makes me, like, not even care about analyzing this game. It's really easy to see what happened. Um, I feel bad for the Niners. You lose three quarterbacks in a season. And that this has been the theme with the Niners. They're the most just broken butthole-esque team of uh, the NFL to where, like, 
no matter what happens, you're gonna make it to you're gonna make it to the uh, NFC Championship game. Something's gonna go wrong, and you're just not gonna make it to the Super Bowl. You can't, or even make it to the Super Bowl, and you're at the door, but you just miss Emmanuel Sanders running deep instead yeah. of hitting him. I I think for my money too, the thing that's frustrating about the Wildcat thing is like. How different would it be to actually just run like a normal under center like run play, except just take the quarterback and put him at wide receiver somewhere and then just like run it like normal, except pretend CMC might throw it. You know what I mean? Like I, I like you don't really have to change anything. You just change it to a direct snap. <laughs> I think that's the thing that annoys me the most about that. Hi, Sydney. Yes, we are. Uh, uh, oh, my God. He's been attacked. Oh, hey, hey. Jesus Christ. Ooh. All right. All right. Yeah. K-State, KU, game time. So, K-State played KU last night on uh, Tuesday, January 31st. Um, it was pretty competitive for the first four to six minutes. And then KU kind of got up by about 10 to 12 ish. Drone got teed up like all sorts of good stuff. And then it kind of just fluctuated from like 10 point KU lead to like 18 point KU lead in the second half. Eventually we settled on 12 points. K state missed a lot of inside shots. KU shot really well from the field. KU also, I mean, KU played really good defense too. Um, I think KU definitely outplayed K-State. I think it was kind of at the end of the day a little bit encouraging that K-State could play a B-minus game in Allen and still only get beat by 12. I didn't feel like – I guess I didn't feel embarrassed at yes. that game. Like, if I was KU, I would be very happy with my performance. And as a K-State fan, I don't feel like we walked in and got our, our – I don't feel like we got pantsed. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, like, I think everyone's pretty happy with the result other than us not getting the win. So. Yeah, I had um, that. That was one of my main takeaways from the game. Truthfully, it. It felt like I understand that, like, objectively, it probably wasn't um, just with the like out, undisciplined. We had a lot of turnovers mm-hmm. in the first half. Discipline's been an issue with this team where you just they get going fast and they're taking stupid shots. You're yeah, you can't run with KU and Allen. It doesn't yeah. work. And it it so never worked. I that type of play is always gonna feel worse than like maybe K State has played worse than that in the past, but it felt like watching it, that was the worst I've seen K State play in at least a month, if not longer. Um with that being said, like I realized late in the game after I'm watching this, and I, I feel shitty. So I'm watching KU just like taking easy shots, um, getting open threes, just like doing a bunch of the little things in basketball well, like they always do because they're well coached. They, you know, they're KU. It's just what they fucking do. Um, and then we go down the we go down the court, it's a quick turnover, KU's coming back scoring again. It feels terrible. You look at the scoreboard and you realize like fuck. It's it's felt like this the entire game, and it's it's a ten point game. Um, yeah, and that's that's to to your point of it being encouraging. I was um, I really feel like we didn't learn anything about this team. I just hope that the right people 
and especially the right players and possibly coaches maybe learn something about this team to where like we've seen, and I've said this about climbing in the past too. Um, there's this line to where like players first, a uh, like players run the program thing is great. Outstanding. I love that. It's the way that college sports are nowadays. and I get that, but there's times that where you got to be able to, especially mid game, not talk about it after the game, like middle of the game, reel yourselves back in and understand what's going on. What's at stake. Talking about the football team, the last couple of years, the penalty, the stupid penalties and the self-inflicted errors that they would occur. This basketball team turning the ball over. And there's multiple times in this game where it's, it's a turnover. That's just a, a player has jumped uh, to make a pass and then realized midair that they didn't know where they were going with the pass. So they just got to throw it to someone and it's a turnover. Mm-hmm. So just little things like that. The encouraging thing, those are easily fixable. Those are things that you just as a, as a team, as a player, whatever, have just got to like, you just got to correct. You got to keep yourself. You got to realize mid game that like, I'm, I, I'm going a thousand miles per hour. I'm only capable of running 900. Let's reel it back down here. And while we can run with these teams, I love watching this team when they get running, when they're just the momentum's flowing, everything's going great. When it's not, though, this team's got to have that ability to downshift, gather themselves, get control of the game, and build from there. I think the one thing that I've seen is K-State was kind of a dynamo coming off those first three conference games, right? And Marquise Noel is and Keontae Johnson are a big ball and everything, all that good shit. And teams have adjusted to try and slow that down, take that away, all that, like every, you know, every cliche thing. And I think we're yet to adjust to the adjustments. Yes. And I think this is the big test of the coaching staff so far is how are we going to adjust to how Keontae Johnson has been played against KU and Iowa State and how Marquise Noel has been played against KU and Iowa State. So I think that's kind of the big thing is life and sports are a lot of chess games and you can have a lot of momentum going one way and then one move completely flips it. So now you need to make the move to flip it back. So I think in a general sense, um, we didn't get much of anything out of the bench. Um, and KU did. And I thought KU played really well. So yeah. I mean I think I think KU has trouble. KU has trouble with finding that secondary scorer. Like Jalen Wilson is going to probably win Big 12 Player of the Year, and deservedly so with how well he's been playing. But, like, they don't have that big dude you can throw it into to get you an easy two. Like, KJ Adams is kind of a rim runner. Like, I actually like Clemens. I think Clemens is actually one of the better players for them. I think he should get more minutes because I think he actually can stretch the floor. I mean, he just plays hard, too. But, like, if Grady Dick isn't going to be a secondary scorer and Pettiford is just going to play defense and Harris is just going to play defense, it gets really hard, really quick to score enough points to win games. Unless Jalen Wilson is going to score like 30 some, you know what yeah. I mean? 
Yep. I think that's kind of big, KU's biggest problem, but it didn't matter because Pettiford made a couple of shots last night. And Dewan Harris made a couple of shots last night. And Grady Dick looked pretty good last night. And like suddenly you have everyone kind of chipping in and you look up and you have 90 fucking points. Right. So I I think for KU, you're starting to see them get back into that rhythm. Big 12 is tough. Losing three in a row is not great, but, you know, K-State beat them in overtime. And then, who they lose to second? You remember uh, the, I can't remember who they lost to second. I know they got blown out by TCU, but that was, like, right before uh, Kentucky, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Doesn't matter who they lost to in the middle. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't, fuck, it doesn't really matter. It's probably like Texas or something. Yeah. And- it, it doesn't. Doesn't matter. I, I, I forgot. I don't even know who K-State played at the time, after the I, game. But I think you see KU kind of rounding back into form. I talked about how normally they hit a switch and they're back to being old KU. Normally, that hap- normally this kind of losing streak happens earlier in the year and they've already flipped the switch coming into Big 12 play. I think at this point, they're starting to turn the switch and they should be, I don't want to say favorites. For the, I, I think Texas, honest to God, is the best equipped team to win the Big 12 because that team has just got fucking hoopers. Like they 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 got crazy shot making out there. But yeah, I the only thing I'll add to that is um where uh like I never really felt like KU has been playing KU hasn't hit full stride um at any point this season. Um I I remember talking about the uh KU game pre, uh, before the Bramlage game, before the first game, and uh, talking about, like, I really hadn't felt like KU, given their standards, had just played well this year, period. Um, which I, I want to phrase as a good thing for KU, because this game was a step in the right direction. The Kentucky game is a step in the right direction. But, like, generally speaking, it's, like like you had mentioned, something we see KU teams do all the time. The, uh, like, fact that we act surprised by it every year kind of frustrates me because we watch the same thing happen with KU every year. I, I mean, it, it's because I'm a hater and I want to be like, oh, well, this is the year KU's like not that good because I'm a hater. Like, yeah, it is no, what like, it is. But, like, we see it and then they're playing their best basketball come Big 12 tournament, come mm-hmm. March, and mm-hmm. that's just the way that things work. Um, But I, I don't think that – I think that exactly what you said – is the explanation. I don't think K-State's playing their worst basketball right now. I don't think K-State's no. playing right now. I think that they need to make adjustments, but we're still a we're still playing well as a team, regardless of making adjustments or not, which is the really encouraging thing. Yeah, for K-State, just in general, I think I think a lot of what I learned about this team is we have a lot of people who can I should say a lot of people. We have enough people who can put the ball in the basket to be a pretty good offensive team. Marquis and Keontae Johnson are going to make this a good offensive team. Yeah. Efficiency, I'm not sure exactly how efficiency-wise it's going to be, but I feel pretty good about the offense. The defense, I don't hate the pre-shot defense so much. I think we lack a lot of interior defense, and I think that could definitely hurt us in down the road depending who you would play. But I do still think that the rebounding is a big issue. And David Gasson coming back is going to help with that. I do wonder how 
integrating him back in is going to like affect kind of the vibe of things. I mean, like, you know, you introduce a new player into the system and like everyone gets like two less minutes and it might throw off some things. I, I don't know, but I feel like K-State has some very obvious deficiencies and, but they're kind of the same team. Like, I feel like yeah. they're, yeah. I don't think Casey's really anywhere close to top 10 at this point. I don't think they have that kind of talent. I feel like they're closer to like 20 to 25 range, realistically. Like, I, I feel like they've been punching above their weight. And like, I mean, they got some nice wins, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, K State could come out and beat Texas at home on Saturday by, 10 and then everyone's like oh my god we're the greatest things it's sliced bread again and right but, i mean that's that kind of how it goes in this league it's pretty yo-yo-ish right now so yes yeah right right after that texas game is tcu so like while this while that losing that ku game stinks there's still absolutely a major opportunity ahead of the k-state basketball team yeah and i i think the big thing is we looked fine in the loss against ku and i can live with that when you go and you beat like a Texas Tech, and I get Texas Tech still good, even though they're last in the conference. But when you have to go out and beat Texas Tech the way that you had to beat Texas Tech, it's a little bit different. It yes. doesn't feel as good, and you feel like there's some issues. Yes. Yep. So I think speaking of the Big 12, I think this is a good opportunity for us to welcome Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU into the conference. Welcome. Enjoy. Hopefully we have 14 teams in the conference for two years or we get a fuck ton of money from OU or in Texas. So, But I think it's important for us to go over the schedule for both teams. Now, the Big 12 tweeted out the schedule in a grid, and they're a bunch of assholes because they made the home games in gray, which does not ever happen. Home games are always white on every schedule I've ever seen. But I digress. Ooh, one second. Oh, boy. Tessa Seaburger getting a new Xbox. Let's go. Um, I, God damn it. I have a fucking meme for this. Um, Gavin, you want to read off the schedule while I completely meme my friend live on air? Um, yes. Let me find it here. Wasn't it sent in our group chat? Yeah, it's sent in the group chat. Like, I I have it is not pulled. It was not sent in the group chat. Oh, I'll get it here in a second. Like I literally, like I literally just need to like, yeah, I'll tell you what I'm doing. So, you know, Incredibles, like that scene with a syndrome. Yes. Where like, he's doing his backstory and he's like talking about how, like, like how he became a supervillain. And there's like that meme that everyone does with Derek Carr or whatever, where he's like scowling, like at, like up, yeah. at, like at the yeah. ground, but up. So Tessa like bought an Xbox and like, for some reason it got like canceled and delayed and all that, like a bunch of like jerking around. Right. Yeah. But so she finally got the Xbox or whatever, because, like, they'd called her, like, four times, so they put her on, like, the highest high priority, so it's, like, literally coming, like, any day now. 
And so I'm using that meme as like the kid who she jumped over in priority. Oh my god. No, um, I do have the schedule found here. Um, I will go through KU first. Um, it looks like they start out the schedule with Missouri State, I believe, um, on a Thursday. I think that's what that mascot is. All of these are mascots, so I apologize if I get this wrong. Oh, I can do it. I just got finished reading, typing this okay. text, Gavin. One sec. That's got to be Missouri State. I'm not mad at myself for missing that. The Illinois is next. Got that one figured out. Um. Yeah, let me – I got gotcha. you. Got the rest figured out. So, KU has got – Wow, they do have Illinois this year. Yep. So they have Missouri State at home. Damn, I'm good. Illinois at home. That's a tough game, actually. Yep. Nevada on the road is interesting. BYU at home. Texas on the road. UCF at home. Oak State on the road. Bye week. Oklahoma at home. Iowa State on the road. Tacking K-State at home and finish up at Cincinnati, which is, like, super weird. Yes, that is. Um, what's your takeaways from KU's schedule? Um, I think you- that Illinois game is going to be a lot harder than, like, people are good. I, I think Illinois is one of those teams where it's, like, you don't think they're good. But, like, I like what Brett Bielema is doing. Um, I don't think they'll beat OU or Texas, genuinely. And I don't think they're going to beat one of us in Tech. I would say that – I think KU's looking at like 7 and 5, like 8 and 4, I would say. Yeah, the, the only thing I'll add is I won't just gloss over the Oklahoma game because all you're going to hear from Oklahoma fans the week of, during the game, and after the game if they lose – the fact that KU has a bye week before the Oklahoma game and yeah. this screams trap game for Oklahoma. It who does Oklahoma play the week before that? that they play they play UCF. It's UCF at home though. Yeah. If that would have been UCF like on the road, KU's coming trap. up with bye, then you gotta go to KU. I could see like that being a big trap game. Um I I like KU's schedule. I, I told this to you like off air. I think everyone kind of likes their schedule because like, I think everyone just kind of forgets that like Houston, Cincinnati and like UCF and BYU might actually be good teams. Yes. Yep. Yep. And we so it, it looks like you're playing five non-conference games. And so it yeah. looks like easier than it is. Yep. And I, uh, I absolutely feel like that, especially as I look at the K-State schedule. Hi, buddy. I know. Take a yep. <laughs> By the way, your camera is turned off just in case you want. Oh, to turn God, I'm getting attacked by my dog again. <laughs> so K-State's schedule is home against Southeast Missouri State home, uh, and Troy. And then at Missouri, home against UCF. So home opener in conference this time around, even though it's a brand new team. Um, and then a bye week, which I hate. I hate the bye week being that week. Yeah. And then at Oklahoma State on a Friday, at Texas Tech, home against TCU, home against Houston, at Texas, home against Baylor, at KU, home against Iowa State. Yeah. So the thing I love about that is I love having the last game of the season at home. That's my yeah. favorite thing. 
Yep, I agree with you. The two things I hated about our schedule was, um, I I love, sorry, I I love one thing, hated one thing. Having Missouri on the road, uh, that just feels like a fun game for us. Um, I I enjoy that. And then going to uh, um, having Central Florida come to Manhattan when one of the most like iconic pictures in K State football history comes from having Central Florida in Manhattan, um, where the tornado. Uh, they had to evacuate. Yes, the tornado come uh, alleged tornado. It was just a really cool picture, but that that's like ten years old now. That picture. yeah, I know. I, I was I, at that game too. I was at that game. Uh, fun game. It was a fun thing. And Central Florida, just being in the conference, Central Florida is one of my favorite like non Big Twelve teams to root for, regardless. So I'm happy that they are in the conference. Um, I wish Boise was in the conference. Like Heike, I love Boise State. Can we talk about uh, the trap game of all trap games, the weird game, the game that every K-State fan is going to hate with Oklahoma State being on a Friday? Yeah, so K-State is coming off of a bye week to play Oklahoma State on a Friday in Stillwater, and Oklahoma State is also coming off a bye week that week. So both teams are going to have a bye and then play on a Friday, and that, that game feels very, like, icky weird. because yeah. it's weird and k-state fans have a really bad memory of like not saturday games because i'm pretty sure the last the 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 only other not saturday game i can remember that wasn't the uh baylor game in 2012 was the tcu game in like 2015 i think it was. Oh, that, yeah. was a, yep. that was a friday I, 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 that was a thursday i think actually yes it was I remember we went to Buffalo Wild Wings after we lost that game. We should have won that game, by the way. Yes, we should have. But I think K-State, K-State has a weird mix on the schedule. Because like they dodge OU, and like I, I yeah. get everyone's like, oh, like I'm kind of bad we aren't playing OU. And it's like, well, you know, I don't, know. I don't hate not playing OU. My, we won't have call our me, Super Bowl. Call me a fucking pussy, but like if I'm going to play OU, like, I want to play them once, and I want to play them in, like, Dallas. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to fucking play OU and then, like, potentially lose that game, play our ass off, and then have to play OU again. Yeah. Yes. And we have and I, this, I don't even think we have a ahead. knack of losing the week before OU as well, so we get rid yeah. of that game. That's the, that's the most happiest thing for me is we don't uh, – we get to see a year of Chris Kleiman where he just focuses on every game instead of two weeks to prepare for OU. I – I think the other thing, this is super nihilist, but like, it's very possible that next year's schedule is this just this year's schedule, but like all the games are flipped too. So like home and away. So we might have played OU for the very last time, and the very last time we play OU might have been the Adrian Bow game, which like I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm okay with that being like the last game that we. I mean, like OU obviously has the season series and everything. But, like, that's the picture that you can post, like, on Twitter when you're trying to, like, you know, make fun of some OU fan. And it's like, well, this is the last time we played you guys. You guys haven't beaten us since, you know, 2022. Yeah. So, yep. like, those, those are the fun little internet point things that are, like. Um, and I don't even think we got, like, let off the hook. Because, like, we're not playing OU, but we're still playing Texas. And Texas Tech's going to be really good this year. And, I mean, we still have to play KU. And I think KU is going to be better this year than last year. I think they bring a lot back. Yep, and it's going to be Texas as an away game as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I don't even think we got left the hook. 
Um, I I like K State as like eight and four nine. I think I think eight and four nine and three is a very realistic. I don't want to say expectation, but like a very realistic record for K State to achieve is basically like kind of what we did this last year, except maybe we beat all three of our non-conference teams instead of just two. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I think like six and three in conference is very realistic and achievable, and hopefully that gets us back to Dallas. I mean, I would love to sit, sit here and say, oh, well, we'll lose to like Texas and like one other team, and then we'll go like 10 and two in the season and like get a rematch with Texas. But I have no, I have no idea if that'll happen. And yeah. the thing with the, I don't even know what the tiebreakers are since the conference is unbalanced now. So, like, I, I don't know. It's going to be harder to make it to the title game, but you know. It'll be fun football. It'll be a fun conference, that's for sure. Yeah, there's uh there's gonna be that picture. I we we know it's coming. The picture middle of the season where like the entire Big Twelve conference is two and two in conference. <laughs> like Yeah, no. It or like the circle of suck where it's like, Oh, yeah. well, this team beat this team, we beat this team, we beat this team, we beat this team, yep. and that yep. crap. It's what it's what we do. The Big Twelve teams just beat up on each other. Now just four more teams get to join in the fun. Yeah. I so I, I guess I, I want to do this with beans too, but who who's gonna be the most successful team to join the Big 12 out year one? Who who do you got? Outside of year one? Yeah, like so between BYU, Houston, Cincy, and UCF. I'm gonna go with Houston just because they have Dana Holgerson and he's been in the conference. Like that that's literally the only reason. So I, I was going to say um I think Cincinnati mm-hmm. is the like safe pick, and it's I I They've been. I, I would have picked years. them if they still had Luke Fickle as coach. Oh, I I agree with that. The reason um the reason I pick Cincy, they feel safe. The reason I don't pick Houston is because Houston is um always felt like this weird like you're you're in Houston, you're in the heart of like football talent country. Um, like everything is there for Houston to succeed. Maybe they actually like take that step now that they join a legit conference like the Big Twelve, and it makes recruiting easier. And I, all I that. think that takes like a couple years, though. Right. So that's what I'm. I think like if you told me over the course of the next decade, I think Houston absolutely could do that. I still have like thoughts about that. That's what makes me bring cause to or pause to uh, bring up Cincinnati. I feel like Cincinnati's just the best team to walk in and like have success, though. I get that. I think one team that's going to be very interesting. I you could make the same argument for UCF. I just I just don't think UCF's in like. I I like UCF with Gus Malzahn, but I also think that UCF is just. I, I feel like they're going to be a little wish wishy washy on this season. I think I one thing that you could think about that's going to be interesting is some team is going to have to go to fucking Provo in fucking November. And that's going to be fucking ass. <laughs> like, between just elevation and cold, and I, I get it gets cold, like, in Kansas and Iowa. Like, I understand that. But, like, with the elevation and, like, potentially snow and just, like, Provo being far as fuck away, I just feel like, it's like going to West. It's like when Oklahoma. It's like going to West Virginia in the winter. It's just like it yeah. fucking sucks. Yeah. So like, I feel like B, BYU has a chance to really fuck some shit up just because they're playing. In, who are they even? I'm gonna look real quick. Who are they playing at home in November? 
because that's who I'm putting on, like, not upset watch, but just, like, hey, I hope that, like... <laughs> they play OU I, November 18th. Yeah, like, OU, like, at home November 18th. Like, doesn't that just feel like, oh, BYU's just... BYU's going to be, like, barely, like, competing for a bowl game, and then they're just going to fucking, like, oh, like, we're just going to walk into BYU and lose because it's cold as shit. <laughs> Yeah. And yep. like we can't handle the elevation like that. Like BYU just feels like the type of team this year who's gonna fuck up OU season. Yep. Like OU will come into that game like undefeated or one loss, and then they'll just lose control of their destiny because they lost to fucking BYU for no goddamn reason. Yep. Yep. And so. it's the Big Twelve destiny to to stop other Big Twelve teams from making the college football playoff. And we didn't do yeah. uh, we didn't do a good enough job against TCU to make that happen. So all right. Iowa State, no U. Provo in November. Good fucking luck. Yep. No, All right, but, uh, Gavin, I think we're done for sports stuff. We got one more sports topic, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because he did it last year. But Tom Brady officially, officially retired, which means that my trade for $10 Malik Willis might actually go down as the worst trade in league history from a value standpoint. I still think I would have rather had uh, – Tom Brady than Malik Willis and ten dollars though. So yeah. Ten fab, I should say, not ten dollars. It would be a bad trade if I trade ten dollars. Yeah. So I want to keep it brief. We did an episode where we talked about how Tom how beloved Tom Brady was by us in terms of like just the football player. Um, just kind of a quick word, and then that's kind of it. Like I just want to hear what you have to say quickly about Tom and I he's gonna go. Broadcast of Fox, I guess. Yeah, I do have a hot take after this. Um, yeah, but, we'll get into other fun stuff. This is like the end of the sports segment. Yeah, the so for Tom Brady's, um, for Brady himself, I just want to, for as much shit as talked on the dude for his, the turmoil in his personal life that was just broadcasted across the nation uh, at the end of this summer. Um for him as a human being and as a human being that like you might not like, but I respect the fuck out of Tom Brady and everything that he's done and accomplished and how he does it all of that. He's been, uh, you might not like, you might not like and feel like he's quote cheated, but when you're cheating in a league that ha seems to have, um, just, I gotta be careful the way that I say this, when you have the, uh, when you realize how many NFL players have some sort of like criminal charge, have something else go wrong off of the field. And then like where people are hating Tom Brady because he's won a lot and allegedly deflated some football sometimes or something like that. Like that seems like a pretty stupid reasoning to me comparatively to other things that have happened in the NFL. I respect the fuck out of him. I'm glad he gets to go spend time with his family and do the things that he probably was thinking about last summer and then return back to football. Um, my, I, it's, not it's not um realistic to expect or think that any quarterback is ever going to do what he's accomplished again um that goes to you too Mahomes I'm not expecting you to do that that is a complete testament to Brady for that he's probably going to be at the top of the greatest to ever do it list regardless just null and void any arguments dumb after that uh because of how much he's won but I yeah I I saw the tweet from Pardon My Take today. I'll quote them. It kind of hit me a little hard. Our, the picture of, you know, the Philip Rivers 
Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Man. like, hey, your childhood's over, bud. And like, yeah. fuck, you know, like, yeah, you're you're right. What do you think, Sam? Tom Brady is one of if not my favorite athletes of all time. I have respected the hell and loved Tom Brady for years because, you know, everyone, when you were a kid, you were like a Peyton guy or you were a Brady guy. I was a Brady guy because Tom encapsulates everything that's great about sports and life and all that stuff. To me, like Tom was pick 199, went one for three for six yards his rookie year. And he took a franchise, a job, everything by the fucking nuts when his number was called and he worked his fucking ass off. Like, Never stopped. Never. Like, like, he he loved playing football, man. And, like, it's, it's so hard to put into words just, like, how much of, like, your idea of what, like, the greats are. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like I don't even know what I'm saying right now. It's it's really just hard to put into words. But it it's literally like it's you cannot describe how it feels to watch the absolute greatest play like for your life. Like Tom Brady played for 23 years, right? I'm 26. Like Tom Brady literally played my whole fucking life. And he said he was going to play till he was 50 and everyone called him a fucking crazy man. I called him a crazy man. And then he like, he shortened it to 45 and he played, he played till he was 45. Like it's, you just need to go watch like anyone who's never seen the Brady six. Pay for a month of ESPN Plus and watch the Brady Six. That's like it. Like I know that they have the whole like Man in the Arena series and like all that, and like that's fun and that's nice and it's kind of like self-flagellation at that point. The Brady Six is literally one of the best docs I've ever watched. And like at that point, the Brady Six came out like after he'd won three Super Bowls. Like, after all this shit, like, he's made all his money. He's married to Giselle. Like, he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time at that point. He has three Super Bowls. And he knew every fucking name that came before him in terms of quarterback. And he, you could tell he was fucking hurt. Like, every, like, talking about those guys, like, he was still one pick, like, pick 199. Like, he never lost that shit. Like, he never forgot it. But how how important that is to becoming the character, the legend that eventually Jesus Christ in me. That that is Tom Brady 
because you look at it at one standpoint, you talk about this documentary that comes out, how many times when Tom Brady had won three Super Bowls, we put out a documentary, he's washed back in 2015. You know, just like all of these times, we assume his career is just clearly over. And this dude, just what him settling was just like not an option for this dude. It doesn't exist. He's never happy. He's always looking for more. There's good and bad sides to that. But I respect the fuck out of it because every single time he won, he realized that that was not the end of him winning. There was always something else to chase. There's always something else to win. There's you're just always hungry for that next win or whatever. And that's what fueled the legend that is Tom Brady. Yeah, he did. He is the greatest competitor I have ever seen. Like, like that dude never fucking quit. And that dude never, like, was out of shit. Yes. Ever. Yep. It, it, it's just crazy. And I, I would love for him to come back for fantasy purposes, honestly, more than anything. But, like... I it really does hurt me. I think the only thing that it really hurts me is that he didn't leave after that first Buck Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. I I wanted Tom so badly to go out on top. Like even at the expense of my own team. It wasn't that he even beat my team to do that, but I wanted I wanted Tom to have his John Elway, and it hurts that it, that didn't happen that way. Yeah. Honestly, I wanted him to retire after 28-3 to because I, it was never going to get better than that. Yeah, yes. But, man, I – he's the greatest, dude. Like, he is our Michael Jordan. We, we felt – and I – last year it felt weird – um, and it feels weird this year after he's already returned once. It felt genuine and it felt like fitting now that he's done. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Like I if he didn't return, I'm not gonna be surprised at all. To me, Tom always kind of said he'd retire when he sucked. Like he'd put that out there. And last year I didn't really think he sucked. So I mean I think if he wins the MVP, he might have actually retired last year. And I think he came back thinking, like, I can still, like, play at this high level. And it just wasn't. It, like, this year didn't look fun for him. He just didn't look himself. He looked he looked older. Like, yeah. he, he definitely looked older. And between everything else, I think now it's just time to, I think it's just sit down, put your sand and put feet in the sand and drink a beer. Yeah. Just like. But my God, man, he's the greatest. Like the the only the only football player I'd take over Tom Brady's Jerry Rice. Yeah, yeah, and that it's literally it's literally just because Jerry Rice like owns records that are just ridiculous. Yeah, they're not ever going to be touched. Like Jer- Jerry Rice is the greatest football player of all time. Tom Brady is like the goat of football. If that makes sense, though. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, so you got a hot take? I do. Um, we are. I, I don't do anything thought provoking, so we don't have anything. We don't have beans here this week. It'll be I bad. didn't. I didn't watch Milf Manor either. I 
You know, yeah. it was bullshit. I was going to try and watch both Manor over my trip, and then Trey got, like, sick with altitude sickness, like I said, so I didn't really have time. No, I, I have a uh, a hot take that'll be near and dear to both of us. Um, You'll enjoy this one, so... Um, and it actually hurts a little bit after this dude just uh, got injured at the Senior Bowl, but I don't really care either way. Uh, I think I know who you're talking about, then. I think I, I think uh, both Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, both Texas running backs, get drafted on the same day at the NFL draft. Ooh, so you I, think so? You think Bijan's a second round pick and Roshan is a like third or second so, or third? So there's two sides of this. A, I keep the like, you know, haha, Roshan Johnson might also be a first round pick in the back pocket. But um, yeah, uh, no. So on one hand, um, running back values are really weird. There's still with this reagent class, a bunch of like, uh, there's not really jobs that are just like, oh, yeah, this this job's absolutely available. Like that's probably going to get shored up in free agency or could. Yeah, be. We'll, we'll know more in like what. Two months. Yeah. Yep. But, but when you look at a guy like Virgin Robinson and the NFL changing, um, I also think in this draft class, more than any other, you look at guys that are available later in the draft. And I think that that's going to hurt Virgin more than anything at the running back position. They think, oh, because it's such a deep class. You don't need to take Virgin. Right. So I feel on that. So there's, there's that portion of it. And then there's the other portion of this Roshan Johnson guy who is... He's going to measure in at 6'1", 225, and run a 4'3", 9". So he's already, he's already measured in well coming into the Senior Bowl. But then you look, in, uh, look into this guy, and he I'll be honest with me, like I've started looking into these players. I don't know who the fuck... I've heard of him because he plays for Texas. Um, and like seen him be good against K-State, of course. But then you figure out this guy was like a uber highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school, goes to the University of Texas to play quarterback, ends up instead of, and here's the part where like, he's a team captain, he's a guy where you always hear in good character remarks about him. And then that tracks 100% really well with the guy that goes to Texas, says, fuck no, I've like signed here, I'm supposed to be here, even with like, I could transfer out, go look for a job somewhere else, which his teammate, Keontae Johnson did. Um, to get out of there because he couldn't be out Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson said, I'm not going to be the quarterback of Texas, but that's not a problem because I'm good enough and I've signed to Texas that I'm going to help Texas and be the best player for Texas that I can anyways. And he switches to running back, happens to be behind the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley and is still good enough, is still dynamic enough in the little opportunities he gets there um, to warrant a possible day two draft pick. And now you go through the process and you start individualizing the player instead of being just the guy that was behind Bijan Robinson. He's he's also he's also a really good uh, pass protector, from what yeah. I've heard too. Yeah, no, there's which, no. He's the Gavin. Uh, you you uncovered my sleeping giant that I was planning on drafting at two oh eight. You asshole! This is no, my I, Christian Watson. <laughs> The same thing goes for the Roshan Johnson of like, as much as I talk up Roshan Johnson, there's a lot of running backs in this class that you can talk up and make that argument yeah. for. I, I talk about Roshan Johnson in this way, and maybe I'm already late to this. I don't know. Um, but just because you have two running backs from the same school at the same exact time in the same draft class that both could go day two, if not one's going day one, the other one's going day two. That just kind of seems mind-blowing to me and speaks volumes to the guy 
like Roshan Johnson. Um, he re- he feels, and I'm not saying like same play style, same anything. It he feels very like Damien Pierce esque, where it's like the production isn't there in college, but like the traits are, and yeah, like, that's what you draft running backs for is traits. So, um, yeah, you you uncovered the dude I wanted at two hundred eight. Um, I. Everything that I've been reading, though, is he's going to, like, fly up draft boards and all this crap. So he was never going to be there at 208 anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would – I. he's got the size and he supposedly has the speed. And, I mean, he did a lot of third down work at Texas, too. So, I mean, like, he theoretically is, like, at That's minimum, it. like, kind of that Naheem Hines-y, like, like big Naheem Hines is kind yeah. of what I've – or, like, big Jarek McKinnon. It's kind of like the things I've like seen and heard. The the part that I like love about him the most when just trying to project him to the NFL is like you said, the um and similar to Damian Pierce, I was a great comp with that. While the production might not be there, it's kind of hard to find and everything else where the hole is. Like if you could explain yeah. away why the production didn't come, which with like a, a guy like Damian Pierce, Florida's just retarded and wants to produce tight ends out of quarterbacks. Um, that's like, apparently that's what happened because Damian Pierce dude is really good. You explain away the production. Then you realize he doesn't have any other holes. That's what mm-hmm. I have. Uh, he's, Oh yeah. That's the other thing I forgot to include on as well. And the uh, something you were attesting to as well. Um, 80 plus PFF grade throughout his, all of his years playing running back, uh, receiving grade at Texas. That includes pass blocking. And then, uh, just 78 plus all of his years overall grade while he's been at Texas. Then on top of that, you figure out that he was a highly decorated student in high school and has been a highly decorated student while his entire time at Texas, been on the honor roll every semester. Um, he just feels like a guy who's going to have success. Yeah. No, he feels like, even more than that, um, all of that stuff, when I read it off, I'll just say from a fantasy standpoint, almost, it feels like the NFL is going to love this dude and they're going to draft him high. And that's what almost matters more at running back. Yeah. Like the NFL is going to want this guy. To, like he's the type of dude who you want to like show off as like guy on your ticket sales or like yeah. that kind of stuff. Yep. And I, I know that's not how you like draft dudes and everything, but like, it's easier to draft if you have two prospects who are the exact same, but one of them is off field issues. And the other one is like an A plus character guy. You're going to take the A plus character guy. Even if the A plus character guy might be a little bit worse. I mean, you see guys like George Pickens, for instance, he has oh, some, yes. Let's have he, has George some Pickens he has some off field issues and stuff. Like there's no reason that he's not getting drafted over Jahad Dotson, except for the fact that Jahad Dotson, like, isn't a guy with off-field issues. But, but I mean? Sam, people were tweeting confused emojis and question marks about, you let this dude slide to day two, LOL, 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 with pictures of George Pickens. But according to those tweets from random Americans, they don't understand why he fell to day two. I don't understand, Sam. It, it's very easy. You know what? Maybe this will be like my hot take. It's not even a hot take. I hate like, the casual NFL audience. Like I hate it. And it's not like everything about the casual NFL audience, but it's mostly just like, okay, like, like we need to turn our brains on here. Like there's been so many dudes 
who like throw their careers away because of like off field issues or they're just immature and like they never reach their potential because they're just like because they just don't have their heads screwed on all the way correct. And like it's just like you waste all this stuff when you can just get like that. There's a reason why dudes love drafting JJ Watt because JJ Watt's a stand up dude who works his ass off and like he becomes one of the best defenders of all time. Yes. Yep. Can we have the George Pickens debate? What is George Pickens, Sam? Oh, God. I, are you talking about what you wrote in Draft Guide? No, just, God, because there's – George Pickens is, like, setting up to be that, like, Gabe Davis type of player where you either, like, think he's a Hall of Famer or you think he sucks. There's no – Oh, I hear you say. So what? What? what is he? What, well, I, George Pickens is better than – Gabe Davis, to me, has never been, like, any – Gabe Davis to me has always felt like big Deshaun Jackson, but like not fast, if that makes sense. Yeah. And Gabe I, Davis feels like he runs nines. George, like nines only and like posts only. Like he doesn't have a very big route tree. George Pickens to me at least feels like he runs like a decent route tree. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't like, mean he's, player he's, comparisons just as like how people felt about them. Oh, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, from – a, a comp for me for George Pickens. So he's like, is he six two or six three? Uh, keep talking, I'll figure it out. He he just always kind of felt to me like a fairly decent route runner with like a pretty big frame. He, he honestly kind of feels like what everyone thought Jerry Judy would be, if that makes sense. Yeah. He he feels like. He was 6'3". 6'3". He, he, does he not feel kind of like C.D. Lamb, but like worse route? He feels like C.D. Lamb if you took like some route running and like added the T. Higgins like physicality instead. Yeah. No, like, I, he's not as good of a route runner. He, he's, he's, he's the love child of like. CD Lamb and T Higgins, but turned down to like six and a half, seven, if that makes sense. Yeah. The so you you know the play when I talk about the play with George Pickens, what I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, like that really nice catch he had. Right. The problem is, and it's this uh like the 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 quote from George Pickens that always got referenced with the George Pickens uh answering some question whatever and referring to I'm always open like NFL people just love that type of shit when uh players are like that and things like the that. casual NFL audience loves that like yeah. absolutely the, the problem is when you look at that I go back and pull up the play after that and watch this I remember watching it live being amazed and then watching it the uh highlight and like taking a step back and being like wait confused because George Pickens falls like halfway in between the hashes and the out of bounds line like george pickens goes up contorts his body makes a one-handed catch everything's crazy you watch a player like chris olave that's just a much 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 more refined and better receiver make that play he doesn't have to do that because he simply just changes where he's running and tracks the ball to the outside yeah, he's just a better receiver. He just catches it over his shoulder instead of going one hand over George the top. George Pickens does feel like more of an athlete than a receiver. I'll give you that. Yeah, and that's why that's why you know he he feels like that CD Lamb like 
T. Higgins type guy, but like that's why he's turned down to six to seven because like he's not either of those guys' level. He lacks the nuance that it like takes to be a high level receiver. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe maybe Pittsburgh teaches him how to do that. Yeah, I mean, no, like, he's, he's got the talent to do it. Yep. But I, I think that's a, the other thing is, is that's up to George Pickens to want to do. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, 100%. I, I love Chase Claypool. I think Chase Claypool has got immense talent, but, like, I feel like – I just don't feel like he worked on his game enough. And I hope that, like, getting traded to the Bears, like, fucking woke his ass up and was like, oh, shit, like, I'm on the last deal of my year of my deal. I need to learn how to fucking play receiver and, like, be good. Yeah, and I, I don't – I want to tie this into a player like Roshan Johnson. I don't want to just uh generalize a bunch of NFL oh, players yeah. here. But – well, no, I'm saying um, when we're talking about those things with Roshan Johnson and the reason NFL teams love that type of stuff, like Chase Claypool had off the field issues. George Pickens was literally cited by multiple coaches and his teammates at Georgia as being selfish and not caring about the team. Like we're noticing, are, are you noticing this theme about players that like aren't necessary, aren't doing the little things, aren't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you look at a player like Roshan Johnson and those little things, that's why players like that, that maybe you look at it, you go to uh, college football reference and pull it up and say, this guy can't be good. Why did our Eagles draft Roshan Johnson in the third round? This is retarded. It goes a lot past that. The NFL does know some of those things as much as we call them stupid and everything. There are a lot of stupid people there. But I do feel like that's one thing and generalization that when you're giving uh, night or when you're giving 18 to 22 year olds that amount of money just instantly it is really important and it is indicative mm-hmm. of i guess future work ethic and ability to kind of work refine their craft to become a better nfl player than the day they walk on to yeah. your franchise you need kids who are going to act like adults yeah like, yep like if dudes like roshan johnson that come into the league you know they're going to work their ass off you know yeah. that they're going to show up every day for work like you don't have to fucking worry about them and that's such a like that's that's it, it'll buy him a lot of cachet in the locker room too. Like that's yeah. another big thing. People, the shit doesn't get put up in the locker room. So. Yeah. Now make sure that you tell Beans that this episode cut off about uh, fifteen minutes ago, so he doesn't know that either of us like Roshan Johnson, and no one knows. It's just gone into the ether, disappeared. I feel like Beans would eventually go. The thing is, is I don't think for you and I's drafting purposes. I do not think that Roshan Johnson is going to make it to like yeah. the mid second. I know. Well, yeah. Once Beans hears about the football guy things and rams his head through a clipboard thinking about them, then it, it's Ooh. over at that point. Dude, we'll Beans going to take Beans going to take him fucking like uh, what I what did I give him pick sixteen? He's going to take him pick sixteen. Yeah. It's whatever. Yeah. Fine. It's whatever. I uh, I didn't even really think. What was funny is I saw um like two weeks ago. It actually wasn't two weeks ago. It was like last week. The first like mention of Roshan Johnson getting drafted was in a like mock draft that I watched get done. And it was like, it was super flex. And it, they did like the first two rounds and the guy who took the one one, he's like a Texas like alumnist or whatever. And so he took Bashim first and then he like took Roshan Johnson first pick of the third round. He was like, yeah, just doing this for the locker room. And it's like, Roshan Johnson might actually fucking end up being good. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, your locker room and everyone else's locker room and yeah. your production. So, yeah. I don't know. 
All right, Gavin, I think that that should wrap it up. I am looking for one last, last word from you and maybe one from me, and we'll get out of here. No, Sydney doesn't have anything to add, so I think that's it from me. I have been getting pestered by this uh, female dog the entire evening, and I will take this female dog to the place that she likes to go, which is, yeah, that's right. We know that we are going to go to the dog park, folks. That's what's up. That's where we are going. We're going to go chase the ball. We are going outside. We're going to say all the trigger words. It's great. Pussy. Yes. <laughs> we have turned uh, I, rem the phone. I remember that. All right. Well, shout out to Jacoby Myers, one of my favorite players of all time. Glad I finally got his jersey. Patriots red jersey, elite of elite jerseys, by the way. Don't care what anyone says. Um, want to thank Gavin again for coming on. Want to thank Trey again for picking a vegan pizza place. And I want to thank the great state of Kansas and the rest of Kansas City, not including Missouri, uh, for all the great sports that we've been getting at this time. Chiefs, Eagles, we'll talk more about that next week. Tyler Huntley's in the fucking Pro Bowl. We don't need to fucking talk about that. We don't need to talk about anything. We want to thank everyone for putting up with our two dumbasses for today. Beans, hope you're off IR soon. Love you. If you want merch, go to our Twitter at underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore underscore F3S. There's a link in the description. Beans, we'll see you next week. Maybe. Sign our to y'all. See you on the flip side. Beans, play me out.